It's good to be back and to be able to dive into a series uh, that in, involves really unpacking who we are as a church and, and why we're here in the community and specifically why you're here, why you're gifted and wired the way you are and what does that mean? Like how, how can you utilize that to be more fulfilled in your growth and relationship with Jesus? That's, that's growth track. Uh, another way of putting it um, is how to on-ramp those of you who've been sitting here going, man, should I get involved? Do I get involved? How do I get involved? Um, or for those of us that have been around for a while, realign our minds to who we are, not only in relationship to a church, but in relationship to, to God. And, and as we were brainstorming uh, a way to equip people and empower them for doing the will of God through their life, we thought, you know, we could just get into the how, which would be crazy, or we could back up a little and uh, do an intro talk to our Growth Track series, and that would be on what do we believe exactly? Not all of what we believe. We'd be here forever, right? Well, let's, we're going to start in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. We'll be here a while. They say you can read through it in 72 hours, and then we'll talk about it for a couple more days. No, the, we're, we're going to look at like those core beliefs, ultimately, that we all have, and ultimately the way we uh, express that here at Open Life. So we're pumped for this. Everything we do comes out of our beliefs here at Open Life, and maybe you've heard this verse once or twice if you've been around, but 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says that we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. And uh, we're focused right around that Jesus factor of the gospel, the hope through a relationship with Jesus. And what can we do to not only understand our relationship with Jesus, but understand it in such a way that it shares through our life as well, and that people know they're dear to us all around us and uh, incredibly loved. And we believe everyone in our community deserves to experience Jesus. And uh, those who've never heard of Jesus, those who are questioning whether Jesus is real, they, they need someone like you in their life who can be an expression of love and hope in their everyday world so that they have an anchor, so that they have something to look at and follow and, and understand the example of Jesus in modern day living. And, and that's what we want to empower you to be. Everybody deserves, everybody, like take our radius here of a few miles, 80,000 some people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. We have a lot of work to do and an incredible opportunity to serve this city and region. And uh, that's why we love to do what we do. And uh, so when you, when you serve, when you invest in who you are in relationship to God, like it goes out, it goes through you. It impacts more than just your own personal relationship. You're making a difference in others. And so I'm glad that you're here investing. True life awaits you. And uh, so we grow and experience the fullness of life ultimately by connecting with God and each other, serving God and each other, and sharing our time, talents, and treasures with God and each other. That's what we say at Open Life, that, that we're equipping you to be people that lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. 
And we do it by connecting and serving and sharing. And we'll be talking more about that during the course of the series. But, um, man, incredible impact is going to happen through you. I just 100% believe that. So just never underestimate the difference God can make in others through you. Your beliefs matter. And do you believe that? Like, do you believe that your beliefs matter? I think would be a great question to, to ask yourself as we're walking through this today. Like, I, I want to say don't diminish your, your impact, which I just said, but do you, do you really believe God has gifted you to make an impact? And I hope by the end of today, or specifically by the end of this series, you know I am wired to make a difference in this way, specifically. Um, our big idea today is simple. You guessed it. It's on your handout. It's uh, what we believe matters. It does matter, not just for you, but for those around you. Growth track series that we'll jump into, this is the intro again, we'll jump into next week. We're going to talk about the church, ultimately, what makes open life unique and uh, as a way of equipping you to make a difference in the community around us. Uh, how, how are you personally wired to invest in what is the church? We'll talk a little bit about that today, but unpack it a lot to Uh, next Sunday. We're going to talk about connecting to God. What are some of the essential practices? We talked a little about that in prayer. We'll we'll hit on prayer quicker than we would have otherwise. But, you know, look at Bible and our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, that whole thing. Share. Like, so how are we wired to share? And kind of cool, in week week three of the Growth Track series, uh, we're going to pause and actually look at spiritual gift test personality and how those complement one another for God to use your unique design in the world around you and in the church. So that'll be a really unique, we haven't done a a service like that, so I'm excited about that. I'm hoping that's one of those weekends that's just like light bulb, really? Oh, this is cool. You know, I did not know this about me or how this applies. And then we'll look at serving. Where do your gifts best fit in the church and the community? So it's a real cool series. I hope you can make it and uh, uh, for the rest of the weeks, or at least tune in uh, online if you're not able to make it physically. So, all these great things come out that we do as a church come out of our beliefs. Like everything we do ultimately come out of a form of what we believe. And when I think of core beliefs, uh, ultimately, that's those beliefs that if I were sitting with somebody and they're in a moment of doubt or they're on the fence of faith and life is about to end and they're like asking me, what really is it? Like what was God's plan for my life? And I had just moments to share with them the core beliefs of Christianity, which It can be as difficult as we want it to be, or you could kind of pare it down and be as simple as you want it to be. This is the simple as you want it to be today that we're going to hit on. And uh, for those of you that are on the fence of faith, you're like, man, I've just been exploring this person named Jesus. I've been questioning if God could really love me where I'm at. Um, 
He does, and he can, and hopefully you know that by the end of today. Like, that's just my prayer for you and for those who maybe you're loving on. What a cool conversation I had just prior to walking up here with Billy, just a a conversation of I'm sitting with somebody in their hospital bed at their end of life. What should I share with them? I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I have it all written down, and it's in your handout. So fill in the blanks because just go with that. So God has a plan for our life. And you feel like today's talk is probably just for you today. So way to go and way to be utilized by the Lord. So core belief number one, here we go, Sunday school on steroids. You ready? And you can fill it out on your app or on the physical handout if you want to track it down. But the Bible is true, core belief number one, good place to start. I think we assume people believe that. People don't believe that anymore around us. You can quote the Bible all you want, and they're like, well, it's just a book, dude. Like some desperate people wrote it, right? You know? But we believe the Bible is true. Some would say the Bible's the owner's manual for life. Uh, It was written by human authors under supernatural guidance by the Holy Spirit. That's, That's the Bible. Because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without mixture of error and completely relevant to our daily lives. So when we go into reading the Bible, instead of reading it as an ancient text we may glean something from, and we understand this is completely relevant for my life today, our perspective changes. Listen to the way it was communicated from Paul to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, we need the Bible to do anything for God. This is the source of our direction. God has work for us to do, so our full trust in the Scripture's accuracy and authority is key. We have this Old Testament that shows us we can't do it on our own strength. Like, good try, but we're always going to fail. And it points our need for a Savior. Then we get to the books in the middle, right at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's called the Gospels, and it's Jesus' story unpacked from different perspectives of those that were following him. And you get this picture of like Jesus' life himself from first-hand accounts. Then you have the rest of the Bible, the New Testament, looking back on what you can put into practice from Jesus. We got these three sections, if you will. But it all comes together with Jesus. And that's our like central focus. What a gift we have to actually have the Bible. And to be able to open it freely and read it anytime we want on an app or actual paper. If you like flipping pages, you can still buy Bibles, which is awesome. I tend to use your version, but you know, I mean, you could carry it around, you can get the big ones, family Bibles, you know, whatever way you want to read it, you can read it anytime you want. In any situation you face in life, you can find hope from the words of the Scripture. You can find a verse that'll open your eyes. So, core belief number one. Core belief number two, 
There's one true God. There's one true God. Now, some at that point would go, what? You know, uh, there is one. God is called by many different names because of the different dimensions of his personality. But God is one. God is super dimensional and eternally self-existent. Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. Any om words you want to throw out there, he is omni, right? I love those words. You're like, what are you even talking about? Google it. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. While God is, is one, he has revealed himself in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And imagine a pretzel has three holes in it, right? Each hole, uh, it's one pretzel, but it has three dimensions ultimately. And that's God, God in three persons. Even in Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit was Jesus' instruction. That's the, the opportunity we have is to put our trust in what is referred to as the Trinity. We follow Jesus in pursuit of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty cool. Jesus is not just another God to add to our collection, which is a temptation of many. Uh, he's the one and only God with no equal. And he's the God of the Bible, the Scripture. And he, we pursue him and him alone in Christianity. So when we pray, as we just finished a quick series on uh, when we pray to God in the name of Jesus, we do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Kind of interesting to consider, um, but all one in the same, but with unique function and form. Bigger than you can like, I could unpack this for a whole series, but we're going to move to core belief number three. This is the microwave diet of core beliefs. Uh, we've all sinned. We all have sinned. Believe it or not, you're not perfect, and I am by far not standing here claiming to be as well. Um, man was created in perfection, in the image of God, and when I say man, both male and female, right, in Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, we see Adam and Eve in the garden completely in perfect union with God, but then disobeyed God as recorded in that very book of Genesis. And the first sin had several ripple effects that are still impacting us today. Man was excommunicated from the Garden of Eden. A curse was pronounced. The process of physical death began. Man died spiritually. The, the relationship, that connection with God and each other was impacted by sin. And we still feel that. Bad things happen to all now right? Sin has ripple effects that just keep happening. Sin separated humankind from God and left man in what is referred to as a fallen or sinful condition. And uh, I, I remember having a conversation with a construction worker in my backyard that was, uh, if I remember right, it's they're pouring a patio or doing something. And, and he just looked at me and he's like, so you're a pastor? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he goes, now, I was once told that I was like evil from birth and stuff. 
He didn't use the in stuff terminology. And, uh, and it was... It was, I won't quote exactly what he said, but the, uh, it was, he, he had some choice words around the fact that he was told he was a sinner from birth, ultimately, and he didn't like that. In no way, shape, or form did he like to be called a sinner. And uh, I was like, you know what? I believe you're created in the likeness and image of God and that all of us alike are prone to miss the mark as it comes to living up to God's expectations. He's like, oh, I like the way you worded that right there. I felt like I was a piece of stuff, uh, you know, after talking to that other pastor. And it's just like, it matters. the semantics matter. I mean, people need to understand truth through grace and love, right? Versus just going, you're going to hell without Jesus. You know, we can be really hardcore and sometimes ultimately distance someone from pursuing God. I mean, God gave Adam and Eve a best way, and they chose not to live in it, and we bear the consequences of that today. But the good news is this. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But as we're going to look at these future core beliefs that we're going to jump into here, He gave us a way so that we don't have to live in that sinful state. But just realizing we're all sinful and we need God's mercy is amazing. We don't have to hide our sin. Uh, We all need Jesus in our own unique way. We're all facing temptations that would lure us into deeper sin every day. But if we'll mutually encourage one another, man, we could break free from a life of sin. And we could do that through Jesus. Core belief number four, we've been saved. I mean, this is good news, right? We have been saved. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Man is saved through Jesus. There's one way to be saved. It's Jesus. Jesus is God's solution to man's problems. From the moment man sinned, he knew the plan and how it was going to be carried out. That's hard to grasp because he's not constrained to time and space. He initiated this relationship with us through his son. Jesus died on a cross to pay for what our sins ultimately deserved. We would have had to carry if it weren't for him. He offers each of us a way out of our sin and wants us to become children of God through faith in Jesus. And uh, so he'll forgive and forget our sin. He'll wash the slate clean, as it says in Psalm 103, man, he'll cast our sin as far as the east is from the west and wash us as white as snow. You know how peaceful it is when that fresh snow landed and you look outside and cars can drive by and you can't hear them? It's like so quiet. He does that to our spirit when we put our trust in Jesus just calms everything, and the the weight of sin is just like, it's this pure rest. I love it. Eternal life. Not only do we have this promise of, of being saved for eternal life through Jesus, but we have this opportunity of, of living life to the full now through this relationship with Jesus. Romans 10 
9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, so how do we allow somebody to make a decision to to give their life to Jesus, to say that Jesus is, is Lord of their life and Savior? It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. No magic beyond that. All done. Like, that's it. Just all we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We'll be saved. That's all we're given. There's no requirements or works above or beyond that. Faith alone allows us this incredible promise of life to the full now and eternally. It's pretty unreal, but that's what's in Scripture. It's like a crazy grace or mercy beyond what we can fathom. And I remember when this came to my realization, and I remember crying months into already choosing to follow Jesus, I remember just weeping when I came to the realization of exactly how much he took upon himself for me. Because if there was a sinner who made a decision to follow Jesus, I had to have been the worst, I, I assumed, at the age of 21. And uh, what he takes, what he saves, he wants to be completely the Lord of our life. Not just a God on our shelf, but the Lord of our life and Savior of our life. Core belief number five, Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this is important if we're going to be saved by Him, because otherwise He can't do the, the work of saving, right? So, these all build on each other. Jesus is the Son of God. The Scripture declares His virgin birth, His sinless life, His miracles, His taking our sin upon Himself through death on the cross, His bodily resurrection from the dead, His exaltation to the right hand of God. People go frequently to try to disprove through the the science of history the resurrection of Jesus, and those are the guys that write the technical books about why they believe in Him when they're done, because it's a point in time in history that Jesus went to the cross, died, and rose again three days later. Like, there's no question one of the most accurate books on the planet historically is the Bible. He's our Savior. God initiated this relationship. And this is what's unique about Christianity. And I remember sitting in a Josh McDowell uh, breakout at a youth pastor conference one time. And when he said this, it was like light on. But when he, he's like, the unique thing about Christianity and why many of us could, could deepen our faith in Jesus is not just because we feel like he's Lord, so we make a decision to follow him. But we can literally believe that He is Lord from the testimony of all the… Like, scientifically, He is Lord. What, is this, what does this mean exactly? The fact that you cannot disprove that He's the Son of God, and Christianity is unique that God initiated the relationship with us by sending His Son to live a perfect life and take sin upon Himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. In all other faiths, you have to work and hopefully be good enough to maybe appease 
whatever God it is you're choosing to follow and pursue. And so the unique thing about Christianity is a, that we have a God-initiated and historically unchanged doctrine that Jesus is the way to be saved. Pretty incredible, the Son of God. If God wanted to correct us or give us more rules, because the Old Testament has a lot of rules in it, a lot of commands, laws with laws, right? If He wanted us to just be better humans and, and be right with Him for eternity through rules alone, He would have sent a ruler or a condemner to condemn those who weren't living up to expectations, but instead He sent His Son to be a Savior. That should comfort us because we don't have to carry the weight of our sin anymore. 1 Peter 2.24 says He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, we are healed. Man, that makes me glad that I took a step of faith and said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior when I was 21, June 6, 1993. I just dated myself. I'm old. Anyway, so, um, you know, this means the weight of life, its consequences. As a follower of Jesus, there's a lightness that we just have to be so grateful for. And I want that for your life. It matters. And people see it who associate with you when you have that trust in God. Core belief number six, God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says this to His disciples. He says, I am going, but I am going to send to you one that will advise you. The way Ephesians puts it in Ephesians 1.13 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. That's why we can say, all the words in any worship song, when we walk through the door, we could declare it with complete freedom and amazingness and awe that God would give us this comfort and strength and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, is, is seen throughout Scripture at work. His presence assures us of our relationship with Christ guides believers into the truth, exalts Christ, convicts people of sin, God's righteousness is made known, the coming judgment it, it checks in our spirit through the Holy Spirit, He comforts us, is our power to witness, gives us spiritual fruit, makes us more like Jesus, empowering us to build His church. It really is incredible. And not just is the Holy Spirit this deposit or mark on our life, ultimately, you could draw throughout Scripture that we're like marked by the Holy Spirit in the spiritual realm, but it's all, the Holy Spirit is also a gift for us to have like strength and power to draw on for living and sharing our faith. Acts 1.8 puts it this way, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me 
everywhere in Jerusalem. So right here, through Judea, across the street, in Samaria, all around the nation, and to the ends of the earth, all around the world. Not only is the Holy Spirit this deposit, but it's like the Holy Spirit at work within us is the power we have to actually even just tell somebody about Jesus. It's not your gifts or your extrovertedness or whatever that would make you able to share Jesus with your neighbor or your coworker or your classmate. It's the Holy Spirit in you that gives you that unction of, oh, I need to do this. And we're promised that not only do you have the Holy Spirit in you at salvation, but there's additional and subsequent outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God brings into our life to go and do our witnessing that all of us have the ability to experience. It's incredible. Core belief number seven, God gave us the church. So we have this gift of the church. It's referred to in Scripture as, as the body of Christ, right? And it has this threefold purpose to share Jesus with the world, to worship God, and to equip individuals for ministry. The church is both local and global, obviously, as Acts 1.8 just showed us. But the church is not a building. The church is people. It's those who gather that are following Jesus together, right? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 27 say, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We're all like connected when we choose to follow Jesus and find our church body or family, if you will. This picture gives us an understanding of, of our, the gift we have, and our responsibility, ultimately. And we each have this unique strength and can't look down on our talent compared to somebody else's talent. Or the hand can't mock the foot. The mouth can't make fun of the eyes or think it's inferior. There's two of them. I'm only one. Yeah, we, it's, not, it's not what it's about. We, our body works together. And when it's all functioning wholly, like you can make an incredible impact. There's also another image God gives the church in Scripture, and that is of the bride. And I, I like looking at both these together because this one uh, is an interesting example. Uh, Ephesians 5 is where you find this connection. Uh, in, in verse 25, it says, for husbands, love your wife. This means love your wives just as Christ." loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. So church wife, you get in the correlation, it continues, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Some of us feed it a little more than we care for it. Anyway, moving on. Um, just as Christ cares for the church, 
And we are members of his body. There it is again, right? The body illustration. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's actually an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Many movements of the church, especially modern-day movements, you could call deconstructionists. And they're more about what they're not for, what they're against, than what they're for. And often, they're against the church. Like they're just mad at the church. Maybe they think, I'm going to grow in my relationship with God by staying home because I just can't stand the church. How many friends that are married do you have that you would hang out with but tell them, I can't stand your wife? I mean, I'm going to brag on you every day I get the chance, but I'm never going to talk about your wife. I don't think that friendship would last. There's just something in me. That just, maybe it's just a little, maybe you have friends like that. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You need to change that friendship right there or call them on the carpet. Uh, but just the reality of the church is the bride of Christ. You can't hate the church and love Jesus. You've got to love them both. Because this is like what God, the, the church is God's radiant example of his love to the world around us. Like the bride. He's so proud of his bride. And if we hate the bride of Christ, there's a problem in our heart we need to work on. So we got to call ourselves into check there. We got to look at this and go, man, if I have a weirdness about the church, I got to make that weirdness go away. In fact, I have a prayer. I have a prayer for the church that it would be what God intended it to be. And it would literally be at the center of that centerpiece of the community again. And I'll never forget a project the twins did in school when they were kiddos. They were drawing a like city at uh, Mountain Meadow Elementary. And they're drawing the city and everybody got to add a piece of the city and so they're drawing streets and all these different things. But they determined just like any pastor's kid. I didn't tell them to do this. This was on their own initiative. But they, just, they determined that the church should be right at the center of the city they drew. So they drew a church right in the middle. And if I remember right, it had an Opal Life logo on it, which was kind of funny. But uh, a little cross and steeple and then a circle with an L. They're like, is that the loser church or what does the L mean? You know, so anyway, that, uh, it was kind of crazy to, to see kids do that. I don't remember what grade that was. Do you remember what grade that was? Are you embarrassed right now? I'm like talking right to you or, or are you blessed like your shirt says? Okay, moving on. Uh, I just love putting them on the spot. I should owe you money anytime I do that. Do you like that idea? Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of fun to just look and see what out of the innocence of a child, they'd put something like that on paper. So beautiful. And it stayed up on that wall all year. It was kind of cool. Core belief, number eight. God gave us the promise of heaven. How awesome is that? That we have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Jesus said it, probably the most famous passages in Scripture, John 3.16. But I always 
can't read John 3.16 without 17, but it says this, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. We have a Savior, not a ruler, not a condemner, but He has come that we may have life now to the full and life eternal. That at the judgment seat of heaven, those of us who have invited Jesus into our life and been marked with the Holy Spirit, and they say, Why, you know, welcome, faithful servant, and we're embraced in the arms of heaven. I mean, when we die, there's a better eternity on the other side through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, that is the promise of a follower of Jesus. We don't have to fear death, even though in our nature and in the natural, we fear eternity or like death. But when we die, we don't, it's not the end. It's the beginning of eternity in heaven. It's an incredible promise. So our challenge today, our action point, if you would be, is to choose to follow Jesus. If you've been on the fence and you're like, is all this true? Man, you just got a dose of the core elements of belief. And choose to follow Jesus. Why do we say follow Jesus? Like, because I just said invite Jesus into your life. There's all kinds of different ways you could say it. Be born again. Uh, you could say um, uh, be saved, get saved, uh, become a Christian. Why do we say it this way? Because some add Jesus to the shelf and say, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian, or my family's a Christian. My family's Christian. But ultimately what we're saying here is, no, I am going to actually follow in the way Jesus lived. Jesus would look at people, when you read the Gospels, you'll see this, He would call fishermen or tax collectors or anybody, and He would look at them and say, come and follow me. So when we invite Jesus into our life, we say it this way. We say, will you choose to follow Jesus? Because you're making a conscious decision, not only to be a Christian, but I am going to walk in the way of Jesus. We're literally choosing to become a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And at this point, you might be thinking, if you're a guest or if you've been around for a while, this church is really all about Jesus. <laughs> wow, you know, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, yeah, exactly. Then, then, then we got the point across. Because this is the most important element of Scripture, is that God sent His Son for us. If you simplify it all down, John 3, 16 and 17, God so loved the world that He gave us His Son. That we can not only have life now, but life eternal. We need to put our trust in that. Before we look at how we do what we do, or why we do what we do, it all comes out of our beliefs. Why would we serve people meals at Thanksgiving through the community big gift? Because God gave us His Son. Why would we go on missions trips to the ends of the earth? Because the Holy Spirit calls us to out of our relationship with Jesus. Why would we rent schools and hold services, have youth groups in homes, 
be pouring Jesus into kids' ministries so they could have fun and learn about Jesus' love for them because God sent his son Jesus for us. We all have a part to play in this body, this church, the bride of Christ. And, and we'll talk more about the essentials we practice out of these in a couple weeks, but I just want to pray for you to make that first step become a reality. Choose to follow Jesus, because then we can build a four-step growth track upon faith in Jesus. I'm going to pray for you today to close us out and uh, believe that this will just be the foundation of something great and give opportunity to anybody in this room to respond to the challenge of Scripture to invite Jesus into your life. Choose to follow Jesus today. So, Lord... I thank you for helping us all. There's, there's something refreshing about diving in and, and, and seeing your love for us in the context of, of Scripture, like the truths of Scripture. And I look at this, and I look at what we read, and I'm just, I'm in awe of the plan you put in place to help me live life to the full and life with a promise of eternity. You sent your son Jesus for us. And when he ascended into heaven, you gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could live according to your will today, not on our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And so I pray for those in this room that have yet to choose to follow Jesus. Would you allow them to open their hearts today and invite you in to their life? Not just as, as a God, but as the one God, their Lord and their Savior by simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. I choose you as Lord and Savior today of my whole life. I want to follow you every day from here out. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, I pray for the rest of us that are realigning our lives today. We're going, yeah, that's true. I need to take that serious. I need to have a greater love for the church, or I need to understand that it's not my power, or not the works I'm doing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work through me that's making a difference. And so I give you even more glory and praise, Lord. Whatever it is that convicted us today in your word, I pray you'd bring it to life this week. Let us live it out and come back for the remaining talks. This is the intro that we dive into this series and discover our unique gifting to be able to share this great news with the world around us, with the tens of thousands who need to know this love in our community, but not just here, to the ends of the earth. We thank you for your love. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you join with the worship team here before Jaden comes and closes us?